everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to jump into my text this morning. If you want to go ahead and pull up Psalm 100, Psalm 100 in our songbook here in the scripture. You say, um, I didn't get a songbook. Where's the hymnals? When you look in your Bible, near the middle of it is a songbook written by King David. King David, who is a, probably one of the greatest songwriters of all time, was a great king, was a man after God's own heart, but was also just a real down-to-earth person that had real issues. And this psalm is going to be the framework, and I believe in it is a very key, uh, a key spirit and a key access code to help us unlock strength, to help us to overcome on the day-to-day, the things that are coming at us. So I want to believe, begin in verse 1. We're going to read this whole thing together. Psalm 100, it begins in saying, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and is faithful to all generations. I want to read verse 4 again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And bless his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you this morning. We recognize you. We set our minds and our hearts at attention to recognize who you are and what you're doing. Lord, I ask that you would help us not just to go through the motions today, not just to zone out and allow our minds to wander in another service that you would help us to receive your word, that you would help us to receive your word and put it into practice, God, so that we can live the life that you've called us to live, so that you can love, we can love the way that you compel us to love. Help us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Kyle. All right, so... One of the things that you start checking out or around this time, there's all the sales that are going on and everything kind of gets kicked off with Black Friday. Is there anyone here that actually goes out into the world for Black well, God bless you. God bless you. We recognize your bravery. We recognize your bravery for Black Friday. You know, I, one of my favorite things to do when it comes to Black Friday is not actually go and participate and be trampled upon. Um, Actually, I don't really know how you can be a pastor and go out and participate in Black Friday, not because it's a sinful act, but because I'd be too tempted to go into the flesh 
when I'm trying to grab a toy for my child and another person grabs that toy and then like you would feel like you're like, okay, turn the other cheek, give them the toy, walk in gratitude. And my flesh would just come out and be like, nah, that is mine. And so one of my favorite things to do is actually watch the videos of the fights from Black Friday um, as people are fighting over everything from Ninja Turtles to flat screen TVs. And it's just, it's quite amazing. And, And one thing is like, what's so funny, especially when people are fighting over the technology or the TVs and they're pulling and jerking and all this, I'm like, you know, by the time you get it, it's probably broken. Uh, and so it's not going to be any use. But one of the things that we see and everybody wants is new technology, is new gadgets. And, and all the phone companies and everybody has new sales and buy one, get one free. And there's a new phone and there's a new watch. And there's a watch that, you know, can tell you what time it is and whether you need to drink more water and if you ate too much and all. Who knows what else they're telling you these days. But I personally, I love technology and I love new gadgets and I love kind of being current. I don't love having a new update like every other night. But I love technology. And one of the things that can be frustrating and overwhelming and annoying sometimes is that all of the apps and much of the, the technology that we find ourselves utilizing and, mo- and, and uh, using on our mobile phones or our computers, they all require passwords, Right? And you have to have a good password because, of course, a good password is going to give you access to the information that you want and that you need to have in your day-to-day. And it will keep out the Russians. I mean, no, I mean, keep out those that would impose. We love Russians. We love you. We speak to nations. Be open in the name of Jesus. We bless all of our Russian brothers and sisters. But they keep out those that shouldn't be getting in and hacking your information. Y'all with me? And, and so you want to have a good password. You want to have a good password strategy, right? It's like it's got to have the right amount of characters. It has to have a certain amount of, you know, maybe a couple capital letters in there, lowercase letters, a symbol, a number. You don't want it to be just like uh, John Owens, one, two, three. You know, it needs to be somewhat complicated in nature. And, you know, thankfully there are... Uh, you know, there are different apps now, like, you know, Password One, or even if you have a Mac, one of the things that it'll tell you if you're signing in is, hey, we've developed a strong password for you. And then you look at it and you're like, Lord, I pray that nothing happens to destroy Apple because all my passwords are these strong passwords that I have no idea what they are. But Apple does. And so, Lord, we put our trust in Apple and trust that it will not crash in Jesus' name lest we go to the dark ages. Uh, but the whole point is it, can, it develops a strong password that will help you be impervious to infiltrating or get someone getting in and corrupting your files and you being able to have the access. And so this morning, I want to kind of go along those lines because I believe that here in Psalm 100 is we see a very strong password that David and the Holy Spirit through David is cluing us in on that helps us to access the right information so that we can do and be what we are called to do and be and so that we can hinder and shut down access, deny access to the enemy in the way that he comes to corrupt and distort and destroy our perspective. You see, the password and perhaps one of the strongest passwords we can establish in our lives is thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. 
You see, many times we don't understand, we don't fully understand. We get through the holiday. We might even have a moment where we speak around the table and talk about what are we thankful for, and then we pass it by and we go on to the next thing and give me the turkey or the cranberry sauce or whether you're in the sweet potato or the, you know, pumpkin camp, whatever. But we move on. And we miss out on the true power that lies and what we can access when we walk in a posture and we develop a discipline of thanksgiving in our lives. And not only what we gain access to, but what it allows us to shut down access from the enemy to corrupt and, and destroy and come at our capacity to trust God and our ability to follow him and walk by faith. So I want to unpack this for us this morning. Because I believe, I want to communicate two main things. First of all is that thanksgiving is a permanent posture that God wants us to learn to walk in. And the second thing I want to hit on today is that thanksgiving is a powerful password that gives us access and also denies access to the enemy. First of all, I want to talk about this permanent posture. So when we think about thanksgiving, and many of the major, you know, when we have these major holiday moments, whether it's Thanksgiving, then we have Christmas, we have Easter, uh, maybe we have, you know, Pentecost uh, Sunday. We have these moments within our calendar, and we might call them if you're familiar, you know, if you grew up in church, maybe you grew up in, in a more liturgical church, you have the liturgical calendar throughout the year. We have these moments where we build these altars, so to speak, or we, we give specific attention to something that's happened throughout our history or throughout the history of the church. But these are never meant just to be left alone or just this is the only time we recognize this. It's actually a pattern of a, that has been established from the beginning when we look at the scripture of taking time to pause. And before we go on to the next thing, to create a space to build an altar to recognize what God has done. We see this demonstrated in the Old Testament a lot. We see it from our father Abraham and, and Noah and others where God had moved mightily and you know what, we're gonna take stones. Let us gather stones together and let's build an altar and let us recognize and pause and say, God, you have done this. You are this. Had it not been for you, we'd still be in captivity. Had it not been for you, we would have not made it through this flood. And so we recognize you. We give thanks to you. Now, in the New Testament, we see that thanksgiving is not just something that is this religious thing, but it's so important, it's so uh, crucial. We see it in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 through 19. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Bible is not commanding us to give thanks for the enemy's work. It's not saying, God, I just thank you for cancer. Lord, I thank you for fatherlessness. No, we're not called to give thanks for all things, but to have thanksgiving and to walk in thanksgiving in all things. In all things, we can thank God in the midst of whatever is happening, no matter how challenging it may be. Thanksgiving was such a big deal that King David, who wrote many of the Psalms that we sing out of the book of Psalms, he had set and assigned a specific ministry detail for the ministry of thanksgiving. 
In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning in verse 4, I'm going to read three verses. Verse 4, verse 8, verse 41 here in this passage. It says, Then David appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. A thing about thanksgiving is to Operate in thanksgiving. To give thanks is to recognize what someone has done and who someone is and what that means. It is important. It was important then, and it's important now that we remind ourselves of the great deeds of the Lord, and we declare them among the people. In verse 41, it says, With them were he, uh, Haman, or Heman, Heman. See, God came from the Bible. Uh, Jedithon and the rest of those chosen and expressly named. He expressly named them to give thanks to the Lord for what his steadfast love endures forever. God wants us to walk in a posture of thanksgiving, in a perpetual posture that no matter what we are facing, we are reminded of who God is, not just in that moment, but in the long haul, in the long term. You see, a posture of thanksgiving, when we begin to walk in this, what it is, is it's taking everything, our hearts, our minds, our feelings, everything that we're processing it. And when we choose to daily develop the posture and the discipline of thanksgiving in our lives, what we're doing is we're submitting our reality to God's truth. Through our, though our current and, and our finite realities and circumstances, they may change from time to time, there's going to be seasons that are easier than others. There's going to be days where you feel like a rock star parent. And you're just like, man, I am killing the game. And then there's going to be other days where you feel like you are failing and you are being killed. And you're barely hanging on. There's going to be days when you feel like, man, I am, me and the man upstairs are, we are tight we are close. I'm just hearing him, and he's talking to me, and I wake up in the morning, and I read the Bible. I just feel the anointing, and I drink my coffee, and I'm like, ooh, Lord, thank you for the coffee. Hallelujah. And everything seems to go, and then there's other days where nothing is good, and everything is horrible. And no matter what, what space and place we find ourselves in, his faithfulness never changes. Oh, he's good. His love is still reckless. His mercies, they're new every morning. Thanksgiving, it's a permanent posture. Thanksgiving isn't something that should change with the tide. God wants us to work this into our hearts. He wants to work this into our minds. You see, when we can establish this, we'll move, when we can implement and begin to walk in the power of thanksgiving, we begin to move from crisis management into Christ magnification. See, our default mechanisms, our muscle memory will begin to shift from just constantly bracing for the next thing to happen to actually being able to advance and praise and put the enemy on his heels. You know, sometimes I think that when we think about the fight of faith, we often think more so how we can endure the storms. And we think about how we can take a hit 
and not be knocked out rather than actually recognizing. Jesus said, he has empowered us. The greater one is on the inside of us. He has not called us just to be a punching bag or a floor mat for the enemy. Come on, somebody can get excited about it. I just want you to know that. Like, he's empowered you to throw a punch. He doesn't want you to just be on the defensive. He wants you to be on the offensive. He doesn't want you to just take hits. He wants you to learn how to give hits. And one of the key components is being able to walk as a people who are thankful. Why, why is this component is important? I want to go to the next thing. You see, when we begin to establish this permanent posture in our lives, it allows us to become dangerous. It allows you to be dangerous. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's time to get dangerous. Oh my gosh, that was so pathetic. Like some of y'all are whispering it. It doesn't even sound good if you whisper, it's time to get dangerous. No. Man, I am married. My wife's right here. What are you talking about? It's time to get dangerous. Come on, look at somebody with some face. Say, it's time to get dangerous. Look at the next person. It's time to get dangerous. All right, now look at the other person. Say, here's a piece of gum to help you out. Love you. God bless you. But it's time to get dangerous. See, God doesn't want us bracing for impact and always sitting, waiting for the next hit. He wants us to learn how to develop the blow, to be on the offensive, and to even get beyond our own situations to where we can be dangerous for other people. Because a thankful people is a dangerous people. Why? Because when we walk in an attitude of thanksgiving and we're taking time to remind ourselves of what he's done and who he is and what he's doing in us, then it allows, it actually shuts down the enemy's capacity to change the narrative. The enemy doesn't want you to remember his goodness and his faithfulness. He doesn't want you to remember the times that God delivered you. He doesn't want you to remember how far you've come. He actually wants you to think you haven't gone anywhere at all. You're still the same old conniving, lust-addicted, insecure, immature. You're never going to be anything. That's what he wants you to think. It's amazing. Like, don't you, I'm just like, the devil is never going to come to you and help you remember why you fell in love with your wife in the first place. No. All he wants to remind you, man, she never understands you. He's never served you. He's always been this way, and he'll never change. He doesn't want you to remember he doesn't want you to remember what he's called you, the destiny that you knew was spoken over your life when you were a child. All he wants you to remember is the abuse. All he wants you to remember is the accusations, and he wants to change, and he wants to shape, and he wants to distort the image and the memory of what God has really been doing in your life. When we walk in thanksgiving, it actually allows us to walk in new power. It gives us access. It says in Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I love the message translation. It says, enter with the password, thank you. You know, I was folding some laundry the other day and I got caught up in the spirit of Hallmark. 
That's a strong spirit. And it sneaks up on you because you almost don't see it coming because you don't recognize any of the actors. You know, and the soundtrack is always nice and warm and Christmas music. And I got sucked into a Hallmark Christmas movie called A Gift to Remember. Anybody seen A Gift to Remember? I'm going to read this description to you. You might want to go watch it later. It's on demand. Darcy's lifelong love of reading has led her to the perfect job, working at a mall at a small Manhattan bookstore. One day, while bicycling to work, Darcy crashes into Aiden. Darn Darcy. A sharply dressed gentleman walking his dog, and he was knocked unconscious. He's rushed to the hospital where he falls into a coma, of course, and deeply shaken, Darcy takes the dog home, waiting to reunite him with his owner, Aiden. As she learns more about Aiden, Darcy realizes he could be the one she's been waiting for all along. (laughs) But when the truth is revealed, Darcy learns that the picture she created is completely wrong and that sometimes the truth is even better than fiction. Yeah. There's some depth to this one. (laughs) When I was hearing this summary, and this is literally, if you go on Hallmark's site, this is what it says about it. I could not shake. It says, but when the truth is revealed, Darcy learns that the picture she created is completely wrong and that sometimes the truth is even better than fiction. What I've realized is that when we are not walking, when we have a weak password or we, we're not walking in, that, in, in thanksgiving, in godly thanksgiving, in living daily thanksgiving, then what the enemy loves to do is he loves to come and rewrite the narrative of our lives. He likes to paint in absolutes of never and always. He wants to help wipe away any memory of the grace of God the mercy of God, every breakthrough, he tries to rewrite it as just a momentary feeling, but nothing really happened. And when we just go along with our lives, if we don't recognize God, when we don't take time not just to pray and thank him for the food, not just to arbitrarily go through the motions of nighttime prayers, although I thank God for nighttime prayers. I'm like, hey, at least you have that built in. But when we don't take time to really recognize him, what we do is we just begin to adopt whatever narrative the enemy begins to writing for us. We start to believe it. And we miss out on the fact that there's actually something even more powerful that God has been working on in our lives. God wants us to be reminded of his goodness because when he does, when we are reminded of this, it can unleash faith, mountain-moving faith. Not just faith to get through the day, but the faith to take, to take on giants. You see, David, King David who wrote this song, he wasn't just like an indie skinny jeans wearing, you know, stereotypical how you would maybe try to picture a singer-songwriter. You know, David was a worshiper and he was a warrior. And it was his intimacy with God and it was his tenderness towards God and it was his relationship and his constant practice of not just in writing the songs but in declaring them and and 
praising and thanking God that actually empowered him and fueled him to take on Goliath. See, David, nobody was expecting David to take down a giant. When you, if any of you were watching any of the college football games yesterday, like there are certain teams that you know are going to dominate. And other teams where they are noticeably, they are reasonably seen as the David. And basically, if you're seen as the David, it means nobody's expecting you to win. Nobody's expecting you to get this victory. And really what they're saying is you don't pass the eye test. You don't look like somebody who's going to get through this. It looks like the situation has been stacked against you. And there wasn't a lot of people, you know, there was no, for those of you familiar, you know, with Muhammad Ali and Bundini Brown, there was no, you know, uh, wingman coming alongside David and say, oh, David, you got this, man. You're going to kill him. It's going to be amazing. You're gonna, it's going to be all over, the, all over the country. No. It was him accessing and remembering what God had delivered him from that gave him the courage and the faith to take on Goliath. See, David remembered, God, you actually gave me victory over a lion. When I was doing my job, when I was being faithful, when I was just taking care of those sheep, and someone came to devour that which you had called me to steward, you gave me the strength, you gave me the wisdom, and you delivered me out of that situation. There was that other time when I was still doing my thing, and a bear came out, and a bear came to apprehend and take hold of the things that you had called me to take hold of. And in that situation, you gave me the wisdom, and you gave me the strength, and you allowed me to destroy that bear. And so, God, when I think about what you've done, I recognize that there's a pattern of your faithfulness. And you've been consistent to give me power. You've been consistent to be with me, to not allow me to be devoured. And so when I now see this giant, it's not my own ability that's given me the confidence, but I am remembering what you have done. And I expect accordingly for you to do the same because you're faithful. See, David writes about the steadfastness and the faithfulness of God, not because it's a great thing to write about, but because he was walking in it and he was remembering it. And he was writing songs to help people remember it. So one of the great uses of songs is to help tradition and help theology and help things that matter to us to not be forgotten, to remind us of what God has done and to help increase our faith, to help us remember where we've come from and what God is going to continue to do in our lives. What are the giants that you're facing right now? What are the things that tend, that are, that are imposing their will upon you? God is not wanting you just to endure a beating. He wants you to begin to enact the power of thanksgiving and praise so that you can have the confidence and the faith to step up to the, not just to show up to the giant, but to take on the giant. So how do we do it? How do we cultivate this discipline? How do we walk in this thanksgiving? Well, the first thing is you've got to reset your password. You've got to repent. Repentance is a change of mind. It's metanoia. It's to turn in an opposite direction. It's to recognize that where I'm going and the pattern in which I've been walking is not the right way. By the grace of God, I want to turn and return 
to the things of God. What do we call, what do we need to repent? Well, first of all, I believe we need to repent of ungratefulness. You know, one of the things that we always, we remind our children at birthdays and Christmas is they know that one of the sentences or phrases that daddy hates most is when they're opening something and they just go, what's my next present? I'm like, nah, you're not going to be that kid. And it's like we get so busy, we're thinking about what we want, what we want, what we want, and we just rip it, and then we take, here's this gift, and we just put it to the side, and we're looking for something else. We don't take time to actually embrace and be grateful for what God has given us. It's amazing how when we are, like I was saying before, we're not walking in thanksgiving, we're walking in that spirit of ungratefulness, which I believe also is very much hand-in-hand connected to walking in a great sense of entitlement and pride. God can bless us all day, and we don't ever recognize it. Like, I mean, that's great. What's, what, what are you going to do for me now? What's my, what's my next thing? Why didn't you give me this? How did I get, get, didn't get this way? Why didn't I get this situation to work out? We forget the things that God is doing every day. You know, I mean, I, I, I think at times, you know, there was a simplicity at, at my grandmother's church that she went to a lot when I was growing up. There would be a time to kind of give a testimony, and uh, there, was, there was a rhythm to it. And I remember there was uh, a time where people would say, you know, they'd stand up and address the congregation and say, first of all, giving honor to God is the Lord of my life. I'd like to recognize the pastor, the first lady, the deacons. And then they would always say, I'd like to thank the Lord for waking me up this morning and starting me on my way. I'd like to thank the Lord that I woke up in my right mind. I'd like to thank the Lord that I got to praise him one more again. And you would hear this, but sometimes I think when I would think about it, I'm like, man, how often do we just walk by and we forget or we take for granted or, or have this sense of entitlement that when you woke up this morning, you actually woke up. Like how many of you created a place of altar that when you took a breath, your lungs functioned properly? That when you went to stand up, that your heart was properly beating and allowing the blood to circulate through your body so that you could get from your bed to your your bathroom? As you were sitting there, standing there this morning doing worship, Most of you in here did not have to methodically strategize how you were going to get your arm from your left side to the sky, or at least half mass, whatever you're at right now. You didn't. And we expect it, and we don't thank God for the little miracles that are taking place. We've got to repent of our ungratefulness. We've got to recognize, you know, I've had moments, I don't know if you've had this, you know, where maybe you get... Uh, a bonus check, or, you know, sometimes, like, we've written songs, so we'll get a royalty check and be like, Lord, thank you. You're blessing us. And we start spinning it. We start thinking about how we're going to spin it already. And then all of a sudden, there'll be an issue with the car that, like, takes all of that. And I'm like, Lord, it's the devourer. <laughs> and sometimes the Lord reminds me, hey, you know what? This thing came up, but um, <laughs> there's this check that showed up that you weren't expecting And now you actually have the provision to pay for this. And I could be so focused 
on what the bad that happened rather than remind myself, God, you've provided. You've delivered me. We've got to repent of our unforgiveness, of our entitlement. And some of it, we've got to begin to renounce the agreement that we've actually made with the enemy's narrative for our life. How do we practically do that? Well, one of the things that, well, my next point is that we want to establish the password of thanksgiving. So I want to talk about some practical things because here's, here's how it works. You can just say, okay, I want to be thankful. But a lot of times when we actually want to walk in this and when we need to implement it and when you're developing a discipline, many times when you're developing a discipline, it's not easy, it's not convenient, and it requires for you to press beyond your feelings. Y'all hear me this morning? Y'all with me? I just want to make sure, because here's the thing. This is not just for you. I'll get into that, but it's not just for you. It's because God wants you to be dangerous, not just for you, but for other people. But I want to help you understand this. It's not going to feel good all the time. But in the times that it actually doesn't, that it feels the hardest is when you can actually get the most results. If you're trying to build muscle, you need resistance. It's that resistance that's going to help you develop strength. I want to encourage you, take time, sit down, and begin to think about the things that you have to be thankful for, not just around the 20th of November. Think about a situation that has been very difficult. Maybe it's been an issue that you've been trying to figure out your career path. It's been very discouraging for you. You thought you were going to do this, or maybe you went to school for this because you thought that's what you're supposed to do, but yet you're feeling called to something else. Maybe you find yourself, you know, coming into your 30s and, and, or your 40s, and you're not quite where you thought you would be at this point. And so the narrative that the enemy is trying to paint for you and get you to embrace is that you messed up or you missed out that you, you didn't really hear God, sit down and begin to remind yourself and remember what God has done along the way. Maybe you don't have the promotion that you thought you were going to have. Or maybe you're going through a very difficult season right now in your marriage. And all you can see is this false narrative. Like literally, sit down. Say, God, help me to remember. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful. You haven't changed. I know I've changed. Lord, I know there's been seasons when I've come with more zeal and more passion, and right now I just feel exhausted and broken. And yet I know you are faithful. And so, Lord, I'm just going to come before you right now, and I want to thank you for waking me up today. Lord, I want to thank you for allowing me to be in my right mind. Lord, I thank you that I have a job. It may not be the one I thought I'd be in, but Lord, I thank you that I'm not in the unemployment line today. Lord, I thank you that I have this spiritual family that you've given me. Some of them are a hot mess, but I am too. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that we can be a hot mess together and grow with you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this woman, for this man that you've given me. Lord, I know that 
right now we're going through it, and it's hard. And I know that I function out of fear more than I do out of faith. But, Lord, I recognize that you bless me with them. Lord, I recognize that you're making me more like you through this relationship. And, Lord, I also recognize that you're patient. Lord, I thank you for your patience. Lord, help me to remember. When we take these moments, when we choose to step into the very place of that tension in our lives and release thanksgiving, we release that power and that strength of the gospel to be applied to that situation. All of a sudden, you will see the Holy Spirit will begin to illuminate and help us see appropriately. There will be new faith that stirs up in your heart. New expectation because you know God is for you, not against you. And you are who he says you are. You are chosen, not forsaken. That you get to be reminded, as Judah told us today, that there's no shadow he won't light up. There's no situation in your life that God will not bring light to. There's no darkness that he will not dispel. And you remind yourself, and there's faith that stirs up because you remember the time that it happened. I remember even as a child, you know, one of the first little moments of God showing himself faithful, particularly in the area of healing, when I was around five, five and a half years old, I had these little warts that developed all over my hands. And I remember, there was one of the first times where I specifically remember my parents praying for healing over my body. And uh, we had, not long before, we had just recently moved to Indianapolis, and we were, uh, we had been staying with my grandmother in transition. I remember waking up in my grandmother's bed and looking at my hands that same night that my parents prayed for me, and they were gone. And I remember waking up as a five-and-a-half-year-old and going, Jesus healed me. He healed me. He re- it really worked. And running out to my parents, they're like, my warts are gone. My warts are gone. <laughs> Some of y'all, no, no, my warts are gone. And, but it was that little moment as a five-and-a-half-year-old that then gave me the faith to expect, not just to believe for healing for myself, but when I heard that somebody else was sick at church, I said, hey, can I pray for you? Because I had this thing, and we asked for prayer, and God healed me. And if he healed me then, then I can believe that he'll heal you now. And now I'm not just thinking about my own situation. Now I'm dangerous because I've remembered the goodness of God, and I'm walking in thanksgiving. And so when I see you broken and hurting and needy, I'm not just thinking about myself, but I'm thinking about, hey, there's a God that wants to bless you. That's why it's so important that we learn how to develop this because this life is not about us. The enemy wants us just to be consumed with what we don't have and what we didn't get and where we're not at rather than being on the offensive and thinking, God, you blessed me with this. You are this. You are doing this. You have empowered me. You have delivered me. You have set me free. And now, rather than worrying about my lion and bear, I can go be a a, a giant slayer. What kind of people could we be if we were able to walk daily, not just seasonally, but daily as a dangerous people of thanksgiving? How could we give? How could we love this community around us? How could you, what kind of an impact, how could God use you on your campus or in your business or just at your home? 
If we weren't constantly consumed by what we don't have or our seeming narrative of lack, but we're constantly building altars of thanksgiving. Sometimes you just got to build an altar on the go. Let your car ride to work be an altar. You know, I know there's times where Kelly, mother of five, she's homeschooling. Like, one of the most enjoyable and freeing times from her is a car ride by herself to the grocery store. Sometimes she'll say, honey, I need you to get home, and I'm just going to take the car, and I'm just going to drive. I will come back. I promise you. (laughs) But sometimes you just got to make an altar wherever you can get an altar. Sometimes if you got to walk outside, you know, people might think you're taking a smoke break. And you know what? Little thing where they want to think. But you might just need to walk outside. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you you're going to give me power not to kill this person. I don't want to kill them. I've never walked in that anointing. Lord, I don't want to. But Lord, I give it. Sometimes you just got to make an altar where you can to remind yourself of his faithfulness. One of the great, the altars that we don't want to forsake, and the scripture encourages this, and we're going to wrap up. Kyle, you can go ahead and come up. Is really when we come and we praise and worship. When I talk about coming in and, and getting here early and getting here on time, it's not just because it makes, you know, the worship team is super insecure and if enough people show up, they feel a lot better about themselves. It's not because, you know, we, we need the seats full for the photo op. It's because I understand the power of praise and thanksgiving. That's why, you know, God bless you. Whatever you are going to do on Sunday morning, you're going to find me right here not worrying about you, but giving God thanks because I know I need it. I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of his goodness. I need to be reminded of his faithfulness. I want to walk in that, and I want to encourage you. Don't just look at the screens. Confess these words. Sometimes you might not have the words to do it. We're going to provide you with words to give thanks to God. When you begin to confess this and begin to remind yourself even through the week, God, there's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. And Lord, I thank you that when I was in my darkest state, you came and you rescued me. Lord, I thank you when I was all walled up with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Lord, it was not okay for you to allow me to stay in that place, but you broke down the wall. Lord, I thank you that you didn't just break down the wall, but you sent some people to do some destruction, to come and break down the wall for me. Because if you understand this, there's going to be times when you don't feel like fighting, where you don't feel thankful, where you have not only heard the narrative of the enemy, but you've embraced this, and it's all that you can hear. And it's in that moment that you want to be around a thankful people. You want to be around a people who are not just going to co-sign on the lies of the enemy and the accusation of the enemy. You need a people who aren't just going to tell you, you know what, you probably didn't really hear the Lord. That probably wasn't him that called you to go and respond to him. That probably wasn't you probably should have done this or you probably should have done that. No, you need a people who can walk in thanksgiving that when you can't fight, they can fight for you. There's times when I haven't felt like being full of faith. There's times where I haven't had the strength in my arms to be able to raise them. And I'm thankful for spiritual family that will come alongside of you, that can recognize you, that can love you and lift your arms up when you can. The church is the family of God. God's called us to be a family of thanksgiving. He's called us to be a dangerous family. Let me pray for you. God, help us. Help us, Jesus. Lord, you know how deeply this burns in me. 
Lord, I know that even as I'm saying this, gosh, this is a hard one. It's not a hard one to hear, but it's really hard to live sometimes. Because mentally, most of us in here, we know and we can recognize and there can be a mental assent that, yes, that sounds good and we know that that's right. Lord, I know it's developed and it's worked into us in the trenches. Lord, it's worked into us when we actually don't feel like it. We really don't want to walk it out. And so, Lord, I'm asking for grace to take the next step of thanksgiving. I think you might be in here and there's so many big things that you're wrestling with. The next step for you just might be thanking him for the little things. And making a discipline. You know what, Lord? Before I worry, before I think about anything else, I want to begin my day just saying thank you. Just begin to thank you. It might feel robotic. It might feel emotionless at the time. But God is chipping away. He's breaking through. Lord, I pray. Lord, I'm asking that you would Give us the grace, Lord, to choose to recognize you. And as we do, Lord, I ask that you would remove the false narrative of the enemy. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray. If you're here this morning and you have just been overwhelmed, you just feel it's almost like there's just been this dark cloud over you. It's been so hard for you to even have be hopeful about anything. Maybe there's been a series of losses that you have been grieving and, and a series that has just been so, a season in your life, it's been probably one of the heaviest times you can remember. It's so hard even just to come up for air at times. And you're just saying, I, I need, Lord, I need you to help me to see the light again. I need to ho- take hold of hope and I want to release this narrative of destruction If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand right where you are. Every head bowed, eye closed, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. Heavenly Father, I lift up these people to you. Holy Spirit, I I know that you right now are meeting them. I ask that you would be the great comforter, that you would surround them with your affection. You would surround them with your love that you would wrap your arms around them and that you would begin to speak. Lord, I know that you've been speaking your truth. I'm asking that you would help them to hear it. That you would remove the the plugs from their ears, Lord, that you would shut off the frequency of the accuser, the frequency of disappointment, the frequency of condemnation, the frequency of lack, that you would shut it out and tune it out and that they would hear your voice, that they would be reminded of your goodness. Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, that you would help all of us to be resensitized to your goodness and your faithfulness, God. Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, would be awakened to not just what you've done, but what you're doing and what you're going to do, Lord. And I pray that you would awaken a faith, a dangerous faith, a mountain-moving faith, an advancing faith, Lord God, that is not going to settle for taking punches, but is going to move forward in taking ground. 
Lord, we thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing in us, and for what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him praise this morning. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, 